All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I am your co-host, Kevin Cray. And I am Steve DiMaselli. So we've been off for two weeks, uh, not by choice. Um, we took off for Thanksgiving, which was by choice. But then uh, somehow I smooth-brained it last week and screwed up the recording on my end, and we, Steve could not salvage it. So here we are, and uh, we had a really fresh episode last week, right as, it was actually right in the heart of the winter meetings, I guess, right? But all the action. I think just at the end. I think we had, I think the whole winter meetings had gone down by the time that we uh, did the recording. So we're going to do a uh, combination of a re- Re-record, but we're also going to do a little bit of a look ahead as well. So it's like episode eight and a half, uh, just like Fellini. You know, this is basically our our art house Italian film episode. Um, so I'm going to just jump onto the couch super quick. I don't want to belabor it because we've got a lot to go through. Uh, do you mind if I just uh, hop on real quick? Yeah, yeah. Get All right. right to it. Let's get to it. We got a lot of we got we got like two weeks catch up on yeah so here's what I don't like right now people who are miserable just to be miserable about the pirates Um, this this was kind of happening during the winter meetings a little bit um, because they were sending out videos showing that the pirates got the number one overall pick in the in the draft lottery and you'd see people reacting to the the pirates celebrating it by saying oh the pirates just won their world series or you guys want, you know, punted a whole season. What do you have to be happy about? And what people forget is that there's a lot of people whose jobs are involved in scouting, involved in analysis. And that's like an early Christmas for them. They get to really start to delve into the players who could potentially be a, a key cornerstone for this team, um, which you know, Steve and I are going to talk about here probably next um and it's just like come on guys the the pirates suck bob nutting sucks we all know that just not everything has to suck just allow yourself to be happy for other people (laughs) for for once in your miserable lives um and you know i'm seeing that a little bit uh, with some of the signings that the pirates are doing and yeah they are not world beaters and they basically have move the needle up to about 75 wins as their max potential but they're at least out there doing something uh, even though it's not great in comparison to Carlos Correa and the Aaron Judges of the world so my advice and this is weird sounding coming from me is just everybody stop being miserable Kevin I hear ya yeah thanks man wow you are a really good listener the best yeah All right, so kind of foreshadowed a little bit there in the safe space. Uh, But the Pirates, um, they got the number one overall pick in the draft. And uh, I started to do some research, and by that I meant I used Google. And I typed in 2023 mock MLB draft. And it appears there's two, maybe three guys who are really in the running for 1-1. 
And I wanted to talk about two of them tonight with you, Steve. One is uh, outfielder Dylan Cruz from LSU. And the other is uh, the right-handed pitcher Chase Dollander. Uh, Chase Hollander. Steve will cut that out. So, 100%. For me, I'm, I was looking at it, and I'm all in on Dylan Cruz. And let me explain why. He has something that the Pirates, outside of one, maybe two guys in this whole organization, uh, have, and that's power. Freshman, sophomore, big power numbers, great on-base percentage. He's the kind of guy where the, the walk rate is almost equal to the K rate. Um, you know, Obviously, there's going to be some regression with that as he moves through the minor leagues and up to the majors, but it's a really, really good starting package of tools. Uh, he's pretty much, for me, probably a corner outfielder. Uh, doesn't really seem to have much speed at all. I mean, he stole a couple of bases here and there, but he, he's pretty much here to swing that bat and jog around the bases. Um, so for me, that's who I'm looking at it at 1-1. What, what are your thoughts on the whole yeah. situation? Yeah, so he is a uh, he's definitely a guy that fits that corner profile uh, to a T. Um, I'm the I I've been talking myself into Chase Hollander though. Um, I think the first time we recorded this, I was like, I think we, we had one hundred percent agreement on that, and I think I've changed my mind a little bit, and I think that Hollander's the pick, and here's why. I think that his ceiling is higher for what he does than than Dylan Cruz is. Um, so uh, this draft is a really really interesting draft because this is the this is the COVID bounce back draft. So the shortened 2020 draft uh, that we had where they only did five rounds. This is the uh, this is the first year where some of those those guys that would have been in high school are now eligible for. Uh, the major league draft. So I, I think that we're going to see a little bit of a spike in terms of the overall um, college talent that's coming out of the draft this year. So, I mean, I'm I'm very pro, you know, seeking somebody that's, that's a little bit more advanced and a little older. So, again, either of these guys are fine. But I, I like Hollander in the sense that I'm seeing some really big comparisons to him. I'm seeing people throwing out Garrett Cole comparisons. I mean, he's... You know, he's got four pitches, as far as I know. Uh, you know, same mix as Cole. You know, uh, the four-seam slider, curve, change. Uh, and he sounds like, you know, he's got the same sort of velocity, same kind of control. So I just think if you if you want to grab the one that has the highest upside, I, I think that's Hollander for what they do. Um, I, I, I like Cruz. I think Cruz is going to potentially be an impact player, but I don't know if he's got that really that star threshold that he's going to cross. I think he's going to be an above average guy uh, in in somebody's outfield, um, but I don't know if he's going to be a superstar. And I think, I think Hollander at least has that potentiality to be that. Oh, just to let you know, Steve, just for me and you, it is Dollander. I can't believe I... It's Dollander? It's Dollander, yeah. Do you want to just go back and just hype up Chase Dollander? And just... Dollander? Yeah. No, to hell with it. I'm I'm fine. I don't... It's Dollander. It's... 
It's Dollander. That, I'm looking this up. I'm looking this up, and we're and this is staying in the podcast. Man, this is it is Dollander. Crap. All right. Well, <laughs> fine. Sorry, Ethan. So, yeah. I mean, look. If the Pirates take Dollander, I'm not going to be sad about it. I mean, because we ultimately know what's going to happen. The Pirates are going to go to both of these guys, or or you know, the number three, maybe even the number four guy, and say, look. Who wants to get drafted and say that you were one one overall? And are you willing to shave a million, million and a half off of your slot value to do that? Um, I don't know anything about their demand or, or anything like that. And this is also the time to preface it by saying that it is ten days before Christmas and the draft is in July, so a lot can change between now and then. There's a good chance that um, neither of these two guys we're talking about are going to be in a mix come July for 1-1. There might be some high score that just blows the doors off and has to be that guy. Uh, or someone else, one of these guys gets hurt or someone else comes out of the college ranks. So we just don't know. But for me, I think Cruz feels like the kind of guy, he, he had that kind of profile as a freshman that you were like, oh, this guy's for real. So I think he's going to be lingering around there, and uh, we'll just see what happens with Dollander. So, yeah, I mean, but seriously, Dollander, what what the hell kind of last name is that? Hollander, I get, okay? Dollander, I, I, you know what? I'm changing my pick. I'm on cruise now. No. Yeah, I just, yeah, you can't. I mean, look, at uh, the jokes are going to write themselves. You got O'Neill Cruz, Dylan Cruz. Cruise missiles already out there, but you know we can like have Tom yeah. Cruise, Mission Impossible type stuff. For- what would be incredible is if they can just collect uh, a bunch of people with the last name Cruise, but just spelled differently. Because there's there's room for other spellings in this lineup, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, I mean you could just do like Cruise, like C R U I S E. I mean that's one yeah. right there, and that's the one that I think of most. You could do like a. There's got to be someone out there with like a spells it with a K, right? Yeah, of course, of course. I, the question is, is how well can they hit? Do you remember? Oh man, do you remember there was a while where the Pirates were just collecting draft picks with variations of the name Zach? Yeah, yeah. Zach Dobson, Zach of uh, what's his name? Also had a kind of a Dutch sounding name. Von Rosenberg. His? Von Rosenberg, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of. They weren't the only two, though. I think there were a few other guys yeah, there were like, as well. There were like so. three or four for um, a while. So this isn't unprecedented. What we're proposing with Cruz, man, we might be onto something here. Cruz, I, Cruzes, Cruzen, Cruz, Cruzes. Yeah. All right, what do you, what do you, where do you want to go next on this here? Um, let's see. There's only one way to go, but up at this point. So, uh, you want to talk about the free agent acquisitions? Yeah. Yeah. There, okay. So there's one that is formally announced and there's one that's like in the ghost protocol. Um, we'll start off with Vince Velasquez. Um, he of the hype video that has a lot of people salty. Um, but Hey, you know, they're not doing Pirate Fest this year, so they got to spend that money somewhere. So 
you got to put it into a Vince Velasquez hype video if you have the chance to do it. Yeah, I mean, Velasquez is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. Like, he's not going to, like, light the world on fire. But he's really, what he effectively is to me is a transitional piece to somebody that's going to be better and a guy that's going to slide into a bullpen role and be very, very effective at it. Like, or or be a trade dump at the deadline. And, and there's nothing wrong if they can flip this guy for assets. He's not a reclamation project. I don't think that, you know, unless they're going to somehow find a way to get his uh, fastball back up, you know, two miles an hour, I don't think he's going to be like all of a sudden like one of those guys that they're going to shave, you know, a, a run and a half off his ERA. And all of a sudden he's going to be like, you know, the town hero. But um, I... I He's like I said, he's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's going to be a fifth pitcher for two months, uh, and then you know Mike Burrows, Quinn Priester, Luis Ortiz, you know you name them. There's we've got three different options that are they're going to just come up and snap up his place. You know whoever's pitching the best in the middle of May is is going to be the guy after that point. Um, so I, I mean he's he's a short term placeholder. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. And again, I don't think any of those three arms are ready. I don't think this is necessarily just, you know, hiding people in AAA and service time manipulation. Um, I've gone on extended, um, I've gone on an extended rants about why I don't think Ortiz is the guy. But, um, you know, I, 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 you know, Priester and, and Burroughs, I just don't think that they've had, Burroughs isn't stretched out enough. Priester hasn't spent enough time at a, a, a above the double the A level at this point for me either. So, um, so there we go. That's that that was some bonus uh, service manipulation talk as well. So, but go ahead. So, the other pitcher, uh, the, the other free agent is also a pitcher, and it's we're gonna go with Harlan Garcia. You like that? J A R L I N. Sure. I think that's the safer rather than going with the hard J. Uh, right, I'm right. going to just say Harlan or Harleen. What do you want? Yeah. yeah. Can we call him Cruz? Yeah, I mean, we'll Can we call him Cruz there. Garcia? Yeah. So he's the one that was announced as a rumor uh, with very specific terms, including um, a club option for a second year which is unique because everyone else has been a one-year move. But for whatever reason, they decided to do a club option with Garcia. And uh, I have to say, just like the Shaq meme, I am not familiar with his work. So I went and looked him up. And he's been remarkably consistent in terms of taking the ball and giving you anywhere between 50 and 68 innings every year except for the pandemic-shortened year. Um, and the best ability is availability. So, uh, I'm, I'm actually talking myself into him, uh, way more than I am with Velasquez, but I think Garcia can be a pretty solid seventh inning guy. And I know that sounds like it's damning with faint praise, but, um, I think he's going to maybe be something for the pirates. He did not have a great year by war last year. He was a negative 0.1, um, but he's been a pretty steady 0.4, 0.5 type of guy. Uh, 
prior to that, and that point four point five would have finished only behind uh, David Bednar. And can you guess the second highest reliever by WAR last year in the bullpen? You know, we uh, you, you told me this the last time we recorded. And um, you'd think that I would remember it and have the answer for you right off the top of my head, but I believe it's Dwayne Underwood Jr. It is. You were starting to make me worry that you had an aneurysm um, because no, no, no. I'm just, I just, uh, I'm very forgetful. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild that you had it kind of at the tip of your tongue uh, two different times, and um, that was even after thinking that you forgot it. So, kudos to you. Yeah. So there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of people to choose from, that's for sure. So I, I do like this signing. I like it quite a bit. Um I I don't know if I think he's gonna necessarily slot into one of those back end of the rotation sort of guys. I think he might still be more situational. Um, but uh, he's a guy that has constantly outpitched his peripherals. So um I it's 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 so consistent that he's outpitched them, that it's almost like I don't really care what the peripherals are telling me at this point. I, he, there's not many p- pitchers that I would say that about them, which also tells you a little bit more about his war. Like this guy's value is probably going to exceed what it might look like on paper on fan graphs. It, and it's also pretty important. I don't think we mentioned it off Jump Street, but he is a lefty. Uh, and there is yes. definitely a crying need for a lefty. Uh, in this bullpen. They picked up another lefty at the winter meetings, though, didn't they? Uh, yeah. In in my favorite thing, Jose Hernandez. The, the Rule 5 draft. <laughs> yes. So I didn't know if you wanted to pour one out for your homie Blake Sable uh, for a couple seconds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good pickup. And, I mean, obviously he's a an in-demand dude because not only did he get picked by the Reds, but they flipped him further on to the, uh, to the giants. I I like this move for whoever, you know, I mean, obviously for the giants, uh, I think he's, uh, he's an, he's so versatile that I think he's easily stashed. Um, you know, he's a great emergency catcher. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like keeping your, your, your third catcher on your roster. Um, uh, but I, I think he's uh, he's he's done well enough at an advanced level that I feel like he's gonna be able to just have some kind of a role, and and it's it's not gonna be like it was before. There was the DH and the NL. You you can hide bench bats now too. So it's I mean I don't is this guy gonna be starting you know three out of four days a week or you know th- excuse me three out of uh, seven days a week. No, probably not. But I mean, I think he's still going to, they're going to find a role for him. Uh, I I don't think he's going to get returned uh, at this point. Um, You know, but it is, it's it's a tough loss, but it's the penalty for having a deep farm. You're going to lose some potentially valuable guys. And I I don't know what his upside is at, at this point, but you know, so so one out the door, but they uh, they picked up Jose Hernandez as well. So, what do you think about him? Uh, well, also a lefty, um, he really seems to be able to gas it. Uh, but as with everything Rule Five related, I can't get excited about him because he's going to be twenty five. Uh, I believe it's on New Year's Eve. So this is going to be his age twenty five season. He's going to pitch in a blowout once, maybe twice a week, and then in He's going to have a phantom injury. 
um, and then he'll get his requisite 90 days so that he doesn't get returned. And then in 2024, he gets stashed in AAA. And then if everything goes right, in 2025, as a 27-year-old, uh, we get to see him back in PNC Park and get excited about uh, a situational reliever. I hate the World Five draft. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't even be surprised if he gets returned, to be honest with you. So I, I don't even know if we're going to make it that far. The Pirates have enough bullpen depth that I, I just don't think that this makes a ton of sense. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. We'll find out. So last week, the uh, the downer of the episode was it was pretty fresh that uh, Brian Reynolds, through his agent, requested a trade from the Pirates. Um, and that got a lot of people fired up and... There were a lot of people ready to start pillaging systems all around the uh, the league. There was a lot of gnashing of teeth and rending of garments of, I can't believe that the Pirates were going to trade him. I can't believe Brian Reynolds wants to leave. You know, every side was angry. It was just one big anger fest. Uh, so cooler heads maybe prevailed. Um, but once you see what people are signing for, in free agency and what some other deals are, are, are happening, it would take a king's ransom for me to move on from three years of Brian Reynolds, uh, who's a pretty steady three and a half, maybe four war player. Uh, and I know you said you were looking at some surplus values, and you want to share those with the class. Yes, so. So I have his surplus value at approximately $60 million. Um, and I, again, that is probably an outdated way of looking at it because I'm using our old school numbers of $8.5 million per win. As we're seeing with the, the contracts that are coming out this offseason, that's clearly not an accurate number to be using at this point. So it's probably, I mean, I, I don't know, am I crazy to think it's $10 million a win at this point? Yeah, I wouldn't say that's ridiculous. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that probably bumps him up. Um, I mean, you know, maybe about, uh, let me think, let me do a little mental math here. So, um, probably bumps him up maybe closer to like the high 70s. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be enough uh, or to, to pry him away from the Pirates. I think they've artificially set his market much, much, much higher than that. Um, but I also don't know if they're necessarily going to find an, a, a trade partner to, uh, to to take him off their hands. Um, here's my concern. A lot of his value rests and trade value rests in this first year of the contract. If the Pirates don't trade him this year, they're going to be looking at a much, much, much higher salary for him next year. So they're going to be more motivated to trade him next season um, when the team is more likely to be competitive. But he's going to be more of a value to the Pirates on the field. He's also going to be a lot more expensive, and he's also going to be, um, you know, but if they do decide to trade him, he's also going to be, uh, less um, marketable, we'll say. Um, so my, I'm coming around on the, uh, I, I'm I'm coming around and I'm now on trade him now. Um, I, I don't think this is gonna 
this isn't going to end well. Like, I, I mean, you know, it's, I, again, I, I don't know if I see them, I, I see them at 15 and 20 million the next two years, even through arbitration, I, based on the current market. I don't know if I see the Pirates actually paying him that. So, I, I mean, if they're going to trade him, they might as well do it again while they have a year of, of relatively cheap control on the, uh, on the books. This one feels to me like they're not going to trade him preseason, but they're going to maybe start to really start to think about it around the trade deadline. And then, like you said, I could sort of see it being a thing, a top of their to-do list because they'll still have two years of control. Um, just because the Pirates won't pay him 15 or $20 million, that doesn't mean a team like the Mariners or the Blue Jays or, or another team that you know I could see them making a move for him. That doesn't mean that they won't pay him that money. Um, no, there's a lot of teams that are going to pay him. There's a lot of teams that are going to be willing to pay him. Yeah, it's, it's basically... It's basically the pirates' self-imposed salary restrictions that are choking it, choking him down. Yeah, in all likelihood. I mean, that's the case. So, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this one up, Steve? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, I, I do think we're gonna see a little bit of a slowdown here, um, and we still have uh, we still have catcher to deal with. Um, you know, and, and there's a, there's, you know, a couple of names that have come off the market there. I mean, nobody that's really all that noteworthy, but, um, you know, and then they're bringing back old Tyler Heineman. Um, so, you know, who I don't, I think is a fine backup, you know, again, I don't want him split in time as the regular again this year, but, uh, I, I think he's a fine backup, but um, they still don't have that that number one catcher sort of locked up, and it's not going to be Andy. Um, so, so you know we can just get that out of our brain, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean it's not. Um, it's it's still it's still hanging out there. I'm sure it'll be addressed at some point. But that might be the only thing uh, of note that we're going to have to talk about. I think uh, unless a, a a Brian Reynolds trade does materialize. You getting hype for Tucker Barnhart? I mean, that is true. I have seen him connect them connected to Barnhart. Hey, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. I mean, again, like that's 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 really the 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 theme that of 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 the free agency for the Pirates is yeah, they're fine. I mean, he makes the team better. Like, I mean, they're argue you know they're they're certainly going to be better off uh, with Barnhart than they were before. I mean, he's not. He's not an exciting dude, but I mean, again, he's a good defensive catcher. Um, he's going to get the job done. And again, he's just a bridge guy at, at the end of the day. I mean, he's the guy that becomes a backup until, you know, when Andy or Henry Davis is ready. And then when the other one is ready, then, you know, he's organizational depth. I mean, really, you know, um, uh, yeah, I have no problem with Tucker Barnhart. I mean, it's. You know, if if people were getting excited that they were going to bring somebody in that's, you know, above rate, I mean, like, uh, not above rate, but I mean, you know, just uh, above average, like, it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, unless they did something through a trade, you know, but, um, which is still possible. And if Brian Reynolds does get traded, it's not crazy to think that they'll get a a starting catcher back for him. Right. 
Yeah, I you know I I floated the name Danny Jansen out there as part of a yeah tertiary piece in a Blue Jays trade. So uh, they're still flirting with Roberto Perez, but man, I can't get excited about that at all. I'd rather have Barnhart. I mean, yeah, I mean he was absolute garbage last year in his first year in Detroit, but like you said, he Barnhart. was. Oh yeah, he was he was garbage. Uh, but he, but here's the crazy part, his 63 wins or 63 WRC plus would still have probably been the top pirate catcher last year. Oh yeah. No question. I mean, they, yeah, but you know, he was decent. He was cromulent when he was in Cincinnati. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to get excited and it does feel like the Pirates are still searching for their starter via trade. So, all right. Well, it's probably about that time that we uh, wrap it up and bid adieu for this week. So uh, my name, again, is Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. I, I thought you forgot about your own name again. No, no, it's probably glitchy. We're having we're having some connection issues tonight, folks. It's gonna be real fun editing this one for me. Yeah. <laughs> real fun. Alright, well enjoy your travels <laughs> up and down the Thanks, West man. Coast. Thanks, man. Yeah, and enjoy your holidays as well. So Yes. Else? Merry Christmas to you. And we will catch you uh I don't know, are we gonna do one? Not next week, but we'll do one in two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Two weeks. So before New Year's, we'll do another one. But uh, sounds good. Yeah, next week we're gonna have off. Okay. All right. I will talk to you later, Steve. All right. See you.